You're listening to Tech Talk Central. This is Sakis Riandafilakis, live for Tech Talk Central. We are really happy to have John Sendra, the CEO and co-founder of NetBeast, and Jesus Rivera is the CTO and the other co-founder of NetBeast. And we will be talking about IoT, Internet of Things, as you know it, and their platform, which is called NetBeast. So, uh, hello, John. Hello, Jesus. Hi, Sakis. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Uh, it's my pleasure having you. Uh, so, um, let's start really quick and uh, tell me more about what you're doing. Uh, what does uh, the, a platform like NetBeast uh, does? And uh, why uh, is there a reason for a, a platform like yours? Uh, to exist. Okay, so uh, starting with the reason, Takis, uh, what we see right now uh, in Internet of Things, and especially in smart home, which is where, where we're currently focused at, is that many, uh, you, you, know, you can now have many different devices that you can have connected to your, uh, uh, to your network at home, but the fact is that still no one has really a smart home, and that is because the, the smart home experience itself doesn't exist today because these devices hardly interact with one another. Uh, that's what we want to solve with NetBeast. Uh, we create a NetBeast, it's a software platform that uh, allows to translate uh, communication between devices and empowers developers to create apps for Internet of Things and Smart Home, finally bringing people the, the Smart Home experience that they deserve. So what exactly does a developer need to know uh, when using NetBeast? Is there a certain uh, language, programming language? So we are focused on JavaScript since it is the ubiquitous programming language of, of today. It is present on web, on web applications and now we can use it directly on hardware. Also it's simplicity and it's, it's focused to events which is like real life and devices interact with, with each other in an asynchronous way and that is why we chose it. Um, it is almost everything you need to know as developer. The only, the, the <clears throat> other thing is we'll need to have running uh, NetBeast inside your home network so it can recognize the other devices that there are on, on your house to be able to translate the messages as you, as you code them to each of the particular devices. So uh, as a developer, they have uh, many different ways to do this. Uh, we currently have an OS that they can download into the very popular Raspberry Pi hardware platform. And they can also set it up on uh, a laptop and in a very yeah. near future <laughs> as a mobile application. So, so up to now, you support uh, all the Raspberry Pi devices? Yes. Yes. And what are your next uh, plans? Which other devices? Are so you by using? the moment, uh, the software can run everywhere. So if you go on GitHub and download the source, you can compile it in, in every device you want uh, with little effort, probably. Our next steps are, however, to compile it so an uh, end user without any programming knowledge can download it and run it on its Windows computer, Linux, or Mac. Also, we are going to release a mobile application in the sooner future, so by summer we expect to have DVD available, so a user can control everything in his house directly from his smartphone. Oh, that sounds really promising. So, um, you are in the IoT industry, the Internet of Things industry. Um, it's a, it's a, it's the, it is the big thing right now, uh, everybody is talking about it. 
but there are quite a lot of challenges in this industry. So tell us uh, more about uh, how NetBeast tr is trying to tackle the challenges uh, and what are those challenges? Okay, yeah, uh, the Internet of Things is developing into the, the, the hugest thing that uh, we'll probably see since the creation of the Internet. But it's true that uh, currently everything is a mess. Uh, on the one hand, the, there are so many different standards to communicate devices that uh, no one is prevailing, so many different ways to build up your, your products and technology. Uh, another side is that uh, brands also will uh, develop and design their products however they want. Uh, there is not mu much of a coordinated effort uh, in that side currently. So um, although it's, it's a really big enabling technology, what we currently see is that uh, there needs to be more collaboration between uh, manufacturers to make it uh, possible. Also on that side, if a developer wants to get into IoT, they have to learn so many different technologies and standards that it's the, the, the learning curve is actually impossible. So with NetBeast, what we're trying, what we're aiming to do is to uh, ease up the the hardness to for a developer to get into the market and also give them uh, a channel to sell their applications and distribute their software in IoT, as well as trying to solve the the mess up of the standards and different brands. And and from these. Uh from this landscape, we can see, as my partner said, that the researchers are decoupled from from the actual industry, and this leads us to our um, security and privacy threats. So we don't know how to bypass in the moment uh, from the industry um, a good user experience that can still provide uh, all the security we need. And from that, we see that uh, standards are moving really slow, and we from the from the enterprises and the startups, we have to be aware of what the, the researchers are and the papers are being released to take the best out of it and provide the best user experience and stop using old technology into our products. So I really like what you're trying to do. Uh, so basically trying to, to, to lower the friction for a developer in order to be able to code in various devices. But that's, that's the one challenge. But I have to ask you, uh, Jesus, because uh, I know you're going to, to, to comment on that. Um, tell me more about the privacy and security issues that there are in the IoT industry. So by the moment, as we, as we describe it, we find there are, that each brand has releases their products and they usually need the cloud to collaborate and to operate on their services. So in the moment, uh, a home user is buying something that requires the cloud. It's, it's exposing its usage data, and it's putting something that may expose your personal information to, to the cloud. And this might not be really useful, because on the one side, we require information and collaborative um, data to make, to make things more efficient, like um, automated driving. But on the other side, you don't require the cloud to turn on your lights. You don't need the cloud to know actually uh, if something is on and off or to put some music into your hi-fi reproductor. So in that sense, um, being in the cloud just exposes us. It's not making any progress. We should, as, as developers, um, refuse to use these methods and implement easier ways to provide better user experience without having the cloud, which, by the way, is more expensive to, to the uh, companies. 
Well, uh, user experience is uh, the best thing for, for, for the consumers. Uh, but if I wanted to make my house smarter, how could NetBeast uh, help me with that? Do you have any case studies, uh, any real, uh, real case studies that you've been trying and using NetBeast uh, within a smartphone? So we've actually talked to some people that have already purchased uh, smart home devices like in the lighting you get uh, Philips Hue uh, in, in sound systems like Sonos which we already uh, implement and uh, when we talked to these people they were like it's great but uh, I don't understand why I need to have like 10 applications to run all these different devices and we, we, we showed them NetBeast and we told them how to set it up in their computer and from there they like they started using different applications, ones that didn't, uh, they didn't have to download into their phone, but rather used through NetBeast. And uh, an easy example of application was uh, the one we're actually currently used to demo, uh, our technology, which is a morning application. So this application, once your smartphone alarm goes off, slowly, gradually turns the lights on and reproduces a song through your sound system. And by the time you get to your kitchen, a boiler has already boiled water for you to make yourself a tea. So where do I sign up for NetBeast? Because <laughs> I, I, I want to I wanna do that every morning. <laughs> NetBeast, NetBeast.co, of course. Yes, you can reach us at our website. We're also uh, available through, uh, if, uh, for developers, we, you can find us in our GitHub channel, exactly. NetBeast. And yeah, we're all available. we also have a, a Slack channel to interact with our community. And we highly encourage everyone that wants to try it out to reach us through there. So you can experience that already as a user without any coding experience. But by the moment, it's limited to our beta. So you might be uh, friendly to, to new products and give feedback to us because we really appreciate it. Exactly. All right, all right. that's great. Then. Um, so all that sounds like you really are a real startup. And tell me more about your journey. Uh, where did you start from? Where did you? Where are you now? Uh, and how many people are in, in your team? Okay, so uh, we started working on NetBeast around over a, a year and a half ago. Uh, we started it as a side project when we were finishing uh, our university degrees. All the co-founders we met uh, at university uh, were uh, telecom engineers. And uh, just as we were like progressing with the project, we got uh, we got selected by a, an accelerator in Spain, a plug and play. Uh, from there on, we moved to Valencia and focused full time on the project. And since then, we decided to move to Germany. Uh, as of today, we have an eleven person team uh, distributed among Munich uh, here in Germany and Sevilla in Spain. <laughs> we want to keep a, a focus. Uh, like we want to still promote uh, development course, and, yeah. and startup uh, growth in Spain. So we still want to remain a presence there. Although we decided to move uh, to Germany since it's the, the fastest growing market uh, for IoT. I have to comment uh, that this is, might be a cliche for a lot of startup founders, uh, but we drop off drop out of college <laughs> in order to start a company. Then, then some of us we finished, uh, not all of us. But yeah, it was like uh, we have this promising idea in our hands and we don't really waste it studying um, 
even though we really appreciate what college has, has done for us, um, we it turns a point when if you're an entrepreneur, you just go faster. You're learning more that you can be taught. And that, that, that feeling was so hard in the last year. We decided to move from 700 kilometers away, which is not the really, really far, but it's, it's far in Spain, you know, and, and start this adventure a year ago. So, uh, starting uh, from Spain, uh, Sevilla and Valencia, is that right? And then moving on to, to Germany, um, how would you say that di different uh, startup ecosystems uh, are? Um, meaning, uh, any differences, any similarities? Uh, what do you like about uh, other uh, possibly startup ecosystems you might have uh, visited the last year? My colleague has been in San Francisco, so he can tell about his feeling over there. But um, what, I, what I feel personally from Spain, what I'm going to comment is that the talent is thrilling and there is a lot of, I'd say there is more talent and, and creations, more people making things than, than flourishing as, as businesses. So we have a lot of attempts. So for the first time in our recent history, we are being much more entrepreneurs than, than investors in one way. And this is pushing technology forwards. We, we saw how Spain opened the third or fourth Google campus in the world in Madrid. And seeing all this community growing in the last years really, really fast. But I think we, we still need to mature in, in numbers. Because as my colleague can tell you, in the investment field in, in Germany has been maturing for a longer time. Yes, so it, it, like as, as Jesus commented, uh, Spain has grown so much in the recent years, but we feel that the, the, it could further grow, especially uh, in not only in the regions of Madrid and Barcelona, but in the south in Andalusia, there's a lot of tech talent that, uh, and not much entrepreneurial uh, ship, yep, uh, going on, which is unfortunate. Um, in comparison, we feel that uh, Germany has a great and solid uh, entrepreneurship ecosystem because uh, it's being backed actively both by uh, industry corporates such as Bosch, Siemens and huge companies like Telefonica uh, and as well as being uh, having a really solid uh, backbone with the universities like the engineering universities in, in Germany, most of them have uh, built-in accelerators and programs to uh, help their students to uh, start up, really, in the sense from their projects to, the, um, to their, their business uh, ideas. And um, in, comparison, in comparison with uh, San Francisco, uh, well, San Francisco is just crazy. It's, it's where everything is happening and... and uh, I mean, that's probably where everywhere else is heading, but uh, in their own very special way. So, yeah. Uh, we, we will have another interview uh, next time just uh, for uh, San Francisco and Silicon Valley, all right? <laughs> that's a promise. Once, uh, once you get there and you have your uh, headquarters. So <laughs> next time we have the NetBeast interview, it will be there, all right? Okay, <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> so that was uh, John Senra, the CEO uh, of NetBeast, and Jesus uh, Rivera, the CTO of NetBeast. Uh, both co-founders, really, really nice interview. Um, and um, that's it for me. Uh, I'm Saikis Triandaflakis, the host of Tech Talk Central. Thank you for listening.
You're listening to Tech Talk Central.